In this third episode of the Let Him Go Barefoot podcast, I talked to Robin Robertson, the creator of the podcast and community, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. Robin and I talk about the beauty of wide open spaces, her evolution to unschooling, supporting her children's interest, and how travel shaped her perspectives on life and learning. Plus, she shares one of her special interests, which may surprise you, as well as her favorite current reads. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I know I sure did. So my name is Robin Robertson. I live in Northern Alberta, Canada. Uh, I live with my two kids. My son is 15 and my daughter is 12 and my husband. And we currently live on my husband's family farm property. And it's a pretty remote, secluded area. Uh, it's really beautiful. And um, yeah, it's it's a, a good space for us the last couple of years. And it's a good space because we are unschoolers. Uh, so it provides a lot of quiet and space. And in a way, it feels pretty free, I think, because of that openness and quietness and space. Uh, so yeah, that's why I am. We've unschooled or home educated. We didn't start out unschooling. We home educated for nine years and counting now, and we began through travel. And so this is not where we've always lived. Uh, we've, we've actually, I, I don't even want to say there's one because it feels like we have been on the move for a very long, even before our kids were born. Um, but that was the reason why we started homeschooling. And then it just slowly grew and grew into the, the life where we're at right now. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a little peek into a, a tidbit into where I am and who I am at this moment. So you said you're on your family's, your husband's family's farm. Mm-hmm. How, how long did you say you've been there? Oh, so we've been on, we've been here, I think for about seven years. Wow. Okay. And, and like you said, wide open spaces, right? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and the weather's cold. <laughs> yeah, it is most regularly. The, yeah, yeah. I would say you know for winter time, but then I forget that uh, winter time is probably the majority of the, you know most of the months <laughs> of the year. Um, you so know, would you say like it starts around what Septemberish or would, uh, maybe October? Sometimes, depending on yeah. the year, definitely October, end of October. Wow. Like by Halloween, there's snow usually, almost mm-hmm. always, and then continues into April. I would say May we can start getting nice and warm, but we've had crazy snowfalls in May as well. I mean, we've had snow in June, July, and August too, so it's not unheard of in Canada. (laughs) It matters since like where you live kind of thing, but yeah, yeah. I can imagine. So do your children, because you said you had moved around, and where else have you lived? Um, Well, since we've had kids, we have lived in Canada, Jamaica, and South Korea. My oldest was born in South Korea. We lived there until he was, oh man, I think he was about two when we came back to Canada. And then we moved to uh, Jamaica when he was six and my daughter was three. And then we went to South Korea and then back to Canada again. And then before that, my husband and I had, yeah, we had been living in various places for Oh man, many years. I think probably 10 years we were kind of on the move traveling and and long-term living in different countries. So I've been to every, I say I've been to every continent other than Antarctica, 
That's um, amazing. Yeah. And, and depending, like all through my ages. So for example, when I was young, my family, we lived in Nigeria and Lagos, but I haven't gone back since I was, since we moved away when I was a, a little kid. And Europe, I, I don't really know too extensively because we visited, I visited with my parents when I was really young, just England and France, the UK and France. But um, yeah, uh, and I'd love to go back, which I'm sure I, I probably will and explore it as an adult. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so have your children talked to you about specific preferences that they have with the places that they live? I know we, with South Korea, you were, your son was young, but you all went back at, at mm-hmm. some point too. So because they've had the ability to see different geography and different climates. Do they have a preference at this point? Um, I think my my daughter loves it here, especially because her main growing years have been here. Sure. Um, so, but you know, she still loved Jamaica as well. I know because it's also Jamaica is also very much a, a home. You know, family is there. My dad is there, and uh, my extended family is there. Um, and so, you know, she, she still loves that, but a lot of it, she was, feels fairly young. So her memories are a little bit different in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for my son, I, I think it's similar, but at the same time, I know he loved, like he always says, let's go back to South Korea, even for a food holiday. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just so good in that way. But yeah, he, uh, he remembers more and, and, connect, and he loves, he loves Jamaica too, as well. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. It's so nice to have that variety and those experiences, Mm because even if like your daughter, you were saying she can't technically remember all the details, I'm sure that there's something about it that's impacted her, you know, and it's kind of in her body. Um, And as far as homeschooling goes, because you were able to travel around and then you kind of took things, took that sort of the educational piece into your own hands, how would you, how, how do you think maybe your own upbringing affected your perspective of education and maybe even possibly got you to the point that you're at now with your own children? Do you think that the way you traveled as a child and a young adult started that idea in your head of maybe education doesn't have to be in a classroom setting? Oh, it absolutely did. I think so. Um, And I think, I mean, I grew up in traditional school. Uh, mm-hmm. I think when I was younger, you know, when I was younger, I attended private school. And then when we moved to Canada, I went to public school and grew up in public school, the main public schools in our, in the city that we lived. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I, I think definitely the travel and having parents, you know, having a dad who was from another country when, you know, when we lived in Canada, essentially we all were immigrants depending where we were, what, you know, and what country we were at. But mm-hmm. it, it definitely gave a different perspective from those around me for sure, because I think what it did was from an early age, depending where I was, I understood that there was a wider world than just what was present in front of my face. And there was more context to that world than what many people spoke to or understood because of my personal experiences living in those places. And so I think that's probably my easiest way to frame it of how I saw the world and peoples of the world and therefore the things that I learned. So, you know, sometimes you're in school and you, you're in a classroom and you learn and hear different things, but maybe your personal experience is very different from what the textbook says. 
Absolutely. Or your understanding and your your context of it is uh, is is different. It's more nuanced. So you know that you know what's presented and what's tested on is just basically the test <laughs> that maybe mm-hmm. the person delivering this information doesn't really get it themselves either. Um, so it gives a different perspective and framework for sure. But also, I think what it did was because, well, one, my parents were, you know, it was an inter- interracial marriage and it was, I mean, I was born in the 70s and I mm-hmm. think they were married for seven years before they had me. So, and then they traveled. So in many ways, what they did wasn't a norm kind of, you know, it wasn't what, you know, our neighbor in Canada our neighbors in Canada did at all. We were a very different family on the block. So I think what that also did was it presented to me the fact that there are other ways of living your life or other ways that you can live your life and still be part of the broader society. Um, and it, you don't necessarily have to conform um, to be part of that broader society. So I think- Absolutely, yeah. yeah I think that that- definitely made a difference for me. And I brought that into my, or into our family's learning and education now. Yes, for sure. And I love what you were saying too, about the perspectives from different parts of the world, because I do think it's super easy for people to get very stuck and assured that their way is the right way, because that's what they've Mm -hmm. been doing. That's what they've seen. And when we are able to, excuse me, step out of our own little bubbles, whether it's our physical bubble or our mind bubble (laughs) that Mm -hmm. we get very comfortable in, we are able to take in different experiences and expand our own understanding and even our, um, our bravery, you know, to think, Mm -hmm. Hey, I, I don't have to live this exact way just because that's what I was born into. And just because everybody else, like you said, around you was doing the same thing. And, um, that, that is a beautiful, aspect of unschooling that I've experienced. And I know that you experienced also through your own children, that you get to have lots more flexibility mm-hmm. Absolutely. look through the lens of life a different, a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we do. You, you have the, the space and freedom. And I, I think as well, because then you don't feel in some ways almost physically and mentally confined mm-hmm. by that classroom space. Does that make sense? For sure. Yes. You're not in yeah. that every day. So you're able to see a different scope of things every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're able to move your body and that mm-hmm. helps your mind move. Yeah. There's so much, so much to it. Speaking of moving. So I've, I, I follow you on Instagram, of course, and that's how we met. And yeah, I see your years ago now. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it. I was looking, I was like, has it been three years or yeah. four, almost four? I think four. Yeah. I was saying yeah. more than three years even. Yeah. Yes. It's almost four years. Wow. Um, that just blows my mind. But again, I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. The last two years have felt like one big yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so time is strange in that regard. So your your pictures and the things that you share with your children out in nature are always so fun to watch for me. Um, and also, I'm not really a cold weather girl. So <laughs> being in the South, we have some warm days. I mean, it was in the 70s until last week. Oh, I'm and jealous. Then, <laughs> and then we have, you know, now now we have it la- like this morning, it was 24 and I was about to die. I walked outside and I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> That's a drastic change. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I was like taking deep breaths and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is supposed to be good for me. I'm, this is good. Um, so 
with the wide open space idea, your children have taken on, I imagine, some very risky sport type activities. And mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about how how you added those into your lives and or, you know, were these were, were these child led activities and experiences or were these things that you and your husband enjoyed and you brought them along when they were younger? You know, can you speak to how that evolved? Yeah. So um, I think we already were a pretty active family or pretty active parents, liking, you know, like to do stuff and move our bodies and all of that sort of stuff. So I think we probably set that fairly early. Uh, when we, living back in Canada, um, back here where we are now, we, we had a few advantages in the way of, um, we have a local ski hill close to our, like probably five minutes drive, like or under, <laughs> really mm-hmm. close to our to our home, and so it's number one. It's affordable. It's you know small, so it's great for young kids to learn on, and it's a very community based hill. So being here in Canada in the cold, uh, one one of the benefits I think that's what's, ha- what's happened because what I'm talking about is my son skis and my daughter snowboards, and um, I realized that the key for me to get through the winters was to be outside in the winter times <laughs> and mm. to, you know, to enjoy as much of I can, as I can of the fresh air and the light that we have for a shorter time during the winter. And one of those things was, you know, skiing. And so, yeah, we took our kids out to the ski hill and um, taught them how to ski fairly I mean, they would have been, I don't know, seven and, and five around around that age. And it was something that we could do with the whole family. You know, their cousins uh, skied and snowboarded, and it was a great chance for them to, you know, to be out in community as well and just to move their bodies and get outside. And so that was something they started. And then it kind of just naturally evolved as well because they had friends that were doing the same. And so it became kind of a meetup spot uh, for you know, for community and for to, to, for socialization. And but the great thing is that it's you know you're you're outside and it's physical exercise. So that's how it started. And we just continued when we would get a chance to go to other places. We would do that. I snowboarded from I start I started learning slowly when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something. It was you know that I had started picking up when I was younger. And yeah, and then now we actually, where we live, uh, there is a great spot that is it's called Powder King. So it's known for having a lot of powder snow uh, for heavy snowfalls. And it's kind of in a remote spot like we are, so it's not very busy. Um, so we actually do have like a little cabin in the mountains close to there. And so now we spend a lot of our weekends in this winter there so our kids can ski and snowboard as much as possible. My my son especially loves the, you know, the, well, both of my kids do. They love the adventure and freestyle aspect of it. And um, yeah, my son, it, that's what he does in the wintertime. Like skiing is, he's like consumed with skiing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, you know, as much as it's a huge interest, so we want to support it and and provide as many opportunities as possible. So that's, yeah, that's wonderful. what we try and do. My husband grew up skiing. He was on skis, I think, at age four, um, mm. three or four. Is and he in the South as well? He is, yes. Okay. But every holiday, he and his dad and brother would go up after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving weekend. They would drive to the mountains here. It's only a couple hours from where we live. And they would ski. Now, given that that was, you know, 
a long, a long years ago, a lot of years ago, that it doesn't seem like there's an option to ski right after Thanksgiving. Now it tends to be a little later in the season where there's more snowfall or even cold enough for them to blow snow. Um, but I got on the skis for the first time at, um, 17. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that's pretty good. So I skied for the first time at 17 and then did not have that great of an experience, mainly because (laughs) the North Carolina mountains, particularly, you know, if you don't go, if you go at the busy season, you've got a lot of people on the slopes. It's very, very dense and and it is. And you've got people flying behind you and telling you to move over. And I'm just like, I can barely stand up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we were able to take a trip out to Colorado when we were in, um, outside right outside of college we graduated college and we took a trip to Colorado and it was the most wonderful experience I really felt like a skier because we had so much more space yeah um and it made me love it I just that feeling of being in a quiet in the quiet woods with the snow falling oh mm-hmm. there's just I wish I could bottle that feeling up because yeah. there's just nothing like that. Yeah, there's like a little magical fantasy oh. kind of feeling. It's like a fairy tale kind of feeling, it isn't is. there? There's something it about it. It's true. And I think that's why when I see your pictures, it just makes me have that feeling again, you know, that's right. like, and oh, what that. Yeah. Yes. I want to go. I just want to click my fingers, you know, snap my fingers and be there. Um, and then we were able to ski in British Columbia. Oh, and okay. Whistler, Br- British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that was another experience where it was just like so vast. And I felt like we could just be in this one area all day long and barely see anybody. Yeah. So there it's was huge. That, Whistler yes. Is massive. Yeah. So pretty. So, so pretty. And we were able to stay in a place on a hill um, on the mountain, like right, like the place you could go off the lift and then like scoot off to where your condo was, you know, you didn't have to go all the way to right. the bottom. So it was like, yeah. you could just go, whoop, and Ian, I'm back. Ian Shelley. Yeah. 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 So great. So those are wonderful memories for me. I'm trying hard to figure out a way to incorporate those experiences into our family life. But we, you know, again, we have only little mountains close by. <clears throat> so my son, um, last Thursday, um, I took um, my kids up to the mountains for a couple of days with some friends and they were able to, my son was able to go snowboarding nice. for, yeah, just for like three or four hours. They did the evening one because um, this was the snow storm that came that made it negative five degrees with the wind chill. Right, right. So, so we were like, we'll do the nighttime skiing, even though it might not be ideal because the next day, I don't think you're going to feel your face. So it's probably better just to try go, but they had a really good time. Um, and we enjoyed some sledding. That was about the speed I could do. But um, you know, speaking of being in a remote space, you know, you mentioned your children getting together with friends. So talk to us a little bit about the community aspect of being where you are. So being an unschooler, you obviously have the flexibility to live and and just coordinate things and organize your life around a schedule that matches each of each of you guys individually. But what does that look like for your teenage children? Yeah. So I do want to say with a caveat that it's definitely shifted and changed uh, the last two years, obviously, because things have been a lot more limited, right, with what has been open and available for them to do. Um, But the nice thing about, I think, having a small community is that you do get a chance to connect. And I think people are more open to connect because there's not an abundance of activities Mm -hmm. and things to gather and do together. Um, So there's a fairly, you know, for the space, there's a fairly large homeschooling community up 
uh, up north around here for various reasons. Um, and so there's usually some, you know, there's a parent trying to organize an activity or gathering and, and doing something like that. So, yeah, we, we my kids have tried to, um, you know, they be, be out in, a, in the community and whether it's working, volunteering, being part of activities, they're pretty, you know, over the years, they've been a part of a lot of sports in the community. And I think that's really been a bit big base for them. So my daughter was in gymnastics for quite a few years, mm-hmm. uh, my son in parkour um, and soccer. And now my daughter plays volleyball and all of those. It, I have to say that it's one of those things as well, where um, in a small place with less people, it does really rely on volunteers and parents or others in community that get things going in order for it sure. to happen. So yeah, they've been an active part of different programs um, throughout the years through that. And and then it becomes an extension of you meet others and then you know you create and build and whether the homeschool, homeschooling community and, and having days or trying to host and things like that, um, just, you know, supporting, supporting friendships and community as well and, and other parents too. So yeah, that's how they have been involved. Yeah. And I have always found that there's, when our children express a certain interest in it, whether it's a sport or collecting cards or, or anything for that matter, you find someone else who's Yes, you know, has a similar interest and those connections can be made very quickly. So being active and having those sporting type events certainly create many, many opportunities for kids to connect with one another. And then, like you said, it just flows into relationships, maybe that where kids aren't, aren't homeschooling, but you've meet others and then you just kind of expand your community that way. Have you found that you have to do a lot of organizing or coordinating? Like, do you feel that there's a nice variety of people who are pitching in or do you, have you found that sometimes you maybe have run into a little bit of coordination burnout? <laughs> I know that can happen with <laughs> all with of the above. Yeah. <laughs> all of the above. I think it depends on the years too, like mm. the year. Um, sometimes it seems like there's everyone has their hands in trying to help out and do something and getting things organized. And then another year, it's like, you know, you've got the two parents that kind of always do something that are still trying to keep things going. And then, you know, so I think it ebbs and flows for sure. Sometimes I feel like I've, you know, there's a year where I've been a parent trying to keep things up and going. And then other years, I feel like I've been a bit absent because, you know, other things that are happening, especially lately with work and things like that. But um, yeah, I think all of the above, right? (laughs) it it ebbs and flows. And I think people get burnt out sometimes as well, especially those who want to do a lot and provide a lot. So, and then you have different personalities too, right? So I know some parents who have homeschooled for years and come to all of the activities, but maybe they're, um, you know, they're a bit more introverted and they'll try their best to make it with their kids, but to organize something themselves is not really their thing as well. So they're a bit more of a quiet support in that way, which is still nice and it's still Mm -hmm. important. So, yeah. I have definitely found that too. I was um, coordinated a co-op for gosh, about four, four years or so. Oh, wow. And, yeah. um, 
and I took on various roles, but eventually it became sort of my co-op. That's what people are like, it's your co-op. I'm like, it's not mine. It's ours. I just happened to be the last man standing, you know, Um, because kids aged out and parents or people moved or people went back to school, whatever the case may be. But we were there for a very long time. And um, I noticed that there are planners and there are participators and there are people who will do whatever you ask them to do, but they're like, do not give me the lead role. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and it's it's interesting to remember that as a parent, not only because of the other adults that you're interacting with, but your children as well, because sometimes you've got kids who want to always be busy and doing something and having yeah. a calendar and planning events. And the other ones are just like, tell me where to show up and I'll be there, you know, yeah. Yeah. and it, it can be so different even within our own home. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Have you noticed? That. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Especially when there's, you know, usually there's only one person who's the primary taking the lead in organizing things for our children. Um, but I, I know it was tricky for me when we were, when the kids were younger, particularly if my son had an event that he was really excited about going to, and my daughter just looked at me like, really, do I have to go? And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, you can't stay home yet at, by yourself, but, and then vice versa, you know, he, he, he definitely, definitely didn't want to do certain things. And so, you know, we work it out. We have to just have a chat about what's important and what's, you know, um, have you noticed that with your own children? Like there's, there's some things that they enjoy together, but maybe things that they would rather not do together or. Yeah, they, yeah, I've noticed, I've noticed that it's, well, when they were younger, it's balancing both because yeah, I think I have, there's one who's more extroverted than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one year when we did, I had lots of things planned, especially I tried to put it all mostly on one day because of where we live, there's a lot of driving distance. Mm. So we had, for example, one day a week that was jam packed with everything. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, you know, we left the house before lunch and we were gone until nighttime kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. Until like after dinner kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this is great because I think there was everything, like, I think my daughter had like voice lessons and she had gymnastics and she was a volunteer coach at gymnastics. And my son had, I think, I can't remember what else he had. He had, there was like a whole list of things that they were involved in and all kind of landed on one day. And I remember at one one point, you know, my daughter was kind of like, when are we going to slow down? Oh, (laughs) This is, you know, it was like overwhelming for her after a while, right? And even though it was one week, it was like the buildup to that, to getting ready and going out for that was a lot and all consuming, Mm -hmm. Um, and especially for her as well. And I realized that, yeah, she's one who wants to take a step back more and likes her space and her personal space and quiet a bit more. And she likes to kind of have it slowly, you know, planned out, but a bit slower pace while my Mm. son is more full on and like he can go, 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 go and go and, um, you know, and and, and not even phase him kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, it's finding the balance and making sure everyone's supported. And sometimes you don't get it right and you have to adjust. And then sometimes you do. And then, you know, right now I think we're in a season where I've been more busy and, and then also with things being shut down and opened up and then shifting and changing. And so you're kind of in a limbo. Um, We haven't been going and doing as much. Um, Although now we're that winter is in. So snowboarding and skiing, we have been doing that a lot again, but that's um, wonderful you shift and change and and work with it. And sometimes it seems like, you know, even now I'm looking and I'm like, okay, it feels like now with this new season, 
we've, we're getting into this groove, but I feel like, okay, there's a few shifts we do need to make. Like I can see it and feel it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's, I think we need to gather with some friends a bit more again and, um, you know, maybe slow down at the moment a little bit or, you know, so I, yeah, I definitely am seeing how there's going to be some shifts coming up again as well. So it's just being observant and aware about that too. Yeah, I think that's such a great point that you can just sense it in your body, especially when you're with your children more yes. regularly and you know their rhythms and you know their personalities and you can just tell when there's a lull that's happening that yeah. maybe, and and I have found at least with with my, my family dynamic is that there's, there's a, the child that will just be outright straight up. I need to do A, B, C, or D. And there's another one who doesn't really say anything, but you can just tell. And it's not because they're afraid to speak. It's just who they are. They're just more like free flowy and laid back. And, um, and then if you ask the question, there's a resounding, yes, let's do that. Or yeah, actually I would, I would like to have that outing or make this a priority. And, I or there's a, it. no, I'm not really interested in that. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, there's that too. Um, but, I, but I agree. I mean, I just, I can relate so much to that idea of packing everything into one day. Mm-hmm. And then you feel like as a parent, you're, you're thinking this is streamlined and we're organized and this makes perfect sense. But then you look at your children in the backseat, like, <laughs> yeah. like, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to have yeah. six hours of activities in a row. Yeah. Um, it's like eating the cake all at once. It's like, exactly. let's savor this. Let's break it apart. <laughs> um, so how did, how would you say your ideas about homeschooling evolved over the years and then got you to where you are now, which is this wonderful, supportive person in the homeschool community? Uh, Well, I think, well, there was so much evolution because Mm -hmm. I came from the idea of, I think, really the traditional, you know, place is good if the students are getting high marks, their testing scores are good, and there's this and this kind of criteria and this amount of work and things like that, and that they should be, you know, um, you know, fairly, those academic kind of ideas and striving and, and succeeding at a high level kind of, you know, push yourself and, and, and do these certain things, check off the boxes. So going into homeschooling, um, it was definitely an adjustment because, uh, one thing I do have to say, I had the advantage that we had already decided to really shift things and going traveling um, meant that we actually had to really, it was a big de-schooling all at once because mm. we were very removed then from, uh, well, one, we took a pri- our priorities of what was important and what we knew we needed to change in order to better align with our values. Um, so we had already made that big step. And we were conscious of how we wanted to continue so that we could still align with those values. So that was in place. And I think that helped a lot. But then when it came to homeschooling, um, you know, I thought, well, there was two things. I thought, well, it's going to be fine because I can just do what they were doing in school. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that will be, I'll follow that because that's what I know. And we'll align to that and we can get things done. Um, But the other side I saw because we wanted, you know, connection to spend time with the family and I had been really busy with work and I wanted to have a bit more time to connect with my kids, more quality time. And so knowing that we consciously made the decision that we would do quote unquote schoolwork 
learning work mm-hmm. in the mornings for a few hours. And by lunchtime, you know, as soon as we got close to lunch, then the rest of the day was free and open. Like there was no, we'd go to the beach, we would just play. Like there was no, no schooly type plans on that. And so we did. And the other thing is my kids went to a school that was, it was an interesting mix of, you know, um, child-led in some ways and and open for projects, a small school. So it was very personal feeling, but it was fairly academic. Um, So the executive director was very much about uh, following, supporting the child, the child's unique capabilities. But what she encountered it's interesting because now I get it. Now what she used to try and explain to me, I didn't get, but now I understand completely what she was trying to say. Like she started actually, I think as a homeschooler, a homeschool community that grew into a school. And the idea was self-directed learning from the very beginning. But what happens is, is when you take the shape of a school structure in order to grow and to um, keep going on. And you, of course, you want to service more kids in the community. You And especially where we live, you kind of have to, you kind of get end up being shoved into those lines of traditionality. And mm-hmm. over the years, that's what had happened to the school. And so, and also when you have educators that are only used to the tri- traditional way, even though they want things to be more open, many times you fall back on what you know. So right. it was always kind of, she was trying to keep it more self-directed, but at the same time, there was checklist kind of thing that she was feeling mm-hmm. she was having to follow. So, yes. so we came from that background of that. And I worked for her as well. I worked at the school. So I had that understanding of the importance, you know, of creativity and self-direction in that way. But it wasn't until we started homeschooling that I started to experience it fully, because I don't think in that school setting we could experience it fully. It was as if the the, the walls sort of fell away. Exactly. You could see the world a little differently. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So we, you know, one of the things is the teacher sent my, my work, the kids' work that they would finish for the rest of the year, because we left halfway through the year. We finished the work so fast because it was just my two kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was enjoyable. And we, every morning we woke up and we had like, we had like a little, we usually did school on the balcony in the warm weather and, and, you know, and it was like pretty relaxed and I was very relaxed and, you know, so we finished all of that work really fast and then it was open. And, and the difference was, is I saw how, even without the schooly type work, my kids were so actively learning and curious. Yeah. And it didn't end at lunchtime. It no. grew even more when it was open and free and playful. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, if this is still happening, even at a, I think, a faster pace, at a more joy, in a more joyful way, then why, you know, you start asking, like, what, you know, why do we have to, what, what's going on with this? You know, <laughs> isn't it fascinating just it how is. deeply ingrained that thought process is about what totally. learning looks like and it has to be like, and that the kids have to be told what to do and yes. organized in a fashion, or they won't ever do anything. And, you know, it is, it is intense. And so that, that de-schooling process and you were able to live it like fully, um, which I think is a unique situation because you were still attached to the school model, mm-hmm. but then free flowy, like free flowing into 
uh, um, letting that go and dropping it completely. So I'm assuming that's, that is what happened at that yeah. point, right? Like you Not kind of lived that year. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's still an ongoing process and mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, you get scared and you try and revert back to the old structure in some ways. Cause it was like, oh, this is too much for you to, you know, this is Feels like a safety net. Right. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's make sure we get some like workbooks in today or something like that, just so I can feel better, you know? Yeah. And then you realize, oh, you're just making everyone miserable, including yourself. And it's not doing, moving anyone forward. It's almost putting everyone back. And did you notice, I'm sorry, did you notice any resistance in your children at some point when you went from the classroom to half, half of a day doing sort of school related things and then having that freedom. And then when you tried to, when, when you had that gone for a while and then you tried to go back to that structure, did you notice resistance or did you yeah. 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 There was resistance. Um, and it would depend sometimes only just a little bit kind of like, well, okay, you know, you're asking us to do this, so we'll do this. So there was l- less joy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was almost like resent, not resent, well, maybe and like resignation kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know, when it was certain things. So yeah, there was resistance on different levels and different forms in that way for sure. And I think it wasn't until a few years later when we were here and I had, when we finally, um, so I think my son was in grade three and they, we still, we were, it, it's just the kind of the regulations that we have to follow where we live. So we were still what they called parent directed homeschooling, which means that we could unschool. It was the family that chose, but we still followed the Alberta, the provincial curriculum. Mm. So, but it was like, I could check off the outcomes, but totally do it in our own way, essentially. And, and I, and I realized that year that there were certain things that um, it was like social studies and countries that were required. And my son had said to me, but I don't want to learn about these countries. Like, why mm-hmm. do I have to learn about them? And, you know, my answer was, well, because this is in the curriculum. Oh, I <laughs> you know. know. Oh. And it was kind of like, because <laughs> well, he's like, but I've already been learning about these other places and I'm really interested. Can I, you know, why can't I just keep learning about that? And it was like, yeah, why can't you? You still got the outcomes. And the irony is like, you know, it's the whole understanding the world around you and how you're connected and the similarities and differences. And I talked to our facilitator, a teacher facilitator, because you always have a contact with your um, kind of school hub or school board that you have to register with. And, um, and I told him, I'm like, you know, the outcomes have been met. I know that because my kids have lived the outcomes, like they've lived in other countries and they understand the crossovers and the differences and how big the world is and the similarities and um, they've lived it. So I think these outcomes are already there. And it was just kind of like, well, just at least, you know, watch a movie or do this so you can check it off. Wow. And it was like, well, is that what learning is? Yeah. Really? (laughs) You know, and and at that point, I remember saying like, you know what, from now on, we're not going to do this anymore Mm -hmm. because it just doesn't make any sense anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was the last time. And then I, you know, you can check a box basically saying you're opting out. And opting out of the curriculum, you know, basically they want you to sign and say, you know, that you're opting out. So therefore you're not, you know, they want to like have a disclaimer kind of thing. Right. Mm. But for me, I was like, well, yeah, I do. Yeah. (laughs) Consciously. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I do know this and we're happy to. So. 
So, yeah. and if you're opting out, it's sort of like you're opting out of medical treatment almost in a way, like, well, we're no yeah. longer responsible for your child if That's they don't. exactly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So what does that look like then in your, in Canada for, for you all, do you have to then submit any other sort of paperwork to prove that you're doing school quote unquote yes, or, okay. Yeah. yeah. So we have to submit a yearly plan mm-hmm. and, okay. um, and really it's like, no, our facilitator checks it. You still have a, a facilitator, but um, we have a great facilitator, um, and she's actually been on my podcast as well. And she unschools herself. She unschools her son. And nice. Okay. She really gets it. You know, she's a teacher. She's been a principal, um, but she's a huge advocate of self-directed learning. So she lives it and gets it. So, um, you know, she will be an advocate. And then she also says, like, they ask you to do, but there's nobody in the government office that's going through every single homeschooler's no. yearly plan, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Boards have it so that if there's something's asked, there is something kind of thing. But, you know, and they also say um, you submit the yearly plan, but it's not set in, set in stone. So you can adjust it at any time. You can change it. It's it's completely fluid, which is what learning should be, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. And it seems like you lucked out to have somebody as a facilitator with that background. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. In North, you know, with the United States, we have, it, it's not a blanket way of doing things. It's state by state. And yeah. um, here, here too, it's probably okay. yeah. it is. All right. Well, um, it got me thinking while we were talking about the, the checklist and, and whatnot about how, how children learn and the need for parents to do the, the schooling process. And I just wanted to highlight the fact that you did do an episode recently on your podcast. If you want to speak about that, I don't know what episode number it is, but, but I would like for you to share that so that people can go listen to your story directly. Yeah. I mean, my most recent episode for season six, is that the, the one, that one? Yes, uh-huh. I think so. Was it de-schooling one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I d- decided to just do a little entry to start the new season and kind of retell a little bit about our story and how we started. Um, I forget. I always think that our story is known and that I tell it all the time. But right. <laughs> that, yeah, maybe I hear it or tell it, but, you know, it doesn't doesn't mean that everybody knows how we got here. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I really, I, this, this season coming up, I more so than ever feel and see the need to really talk about that de-schooling, like this, what happens, that process, and the questioning of the things around us and the structures around us. Um, I think especially as a world is changing so quickly as well and bringing so many things into question. Oh, Uh, for sure. So I think this is a really, you know, it's an important season to explore that more. And yeah, I thought I would just kind of start from the beginning of how our evolution and how we got to where we are now um, and how it's changed for us and how I'm still de-schooling, like severely, like even more so <laughs> lately, it feels like. Um, I think it's also as my kids have gotten older, things change and you see things more now that they're closer to adulthood that it's like, oh, right, you know, the, the certain doubts or fears prop up again that might have been kind of eased over the years a bit. So yeah, that, that episode, I really wanted just to introduce that this is 
our evolution. This is how we started and where, you know, why we've come to where we are now. And going forward, I want to just continue sharing the journey, our journey and others, and why it's important to ask those questions and to ask them of yourself, like, why do I think this? Why am I so stuck on this? You know, Mm -hmm. why do I think that this has to be or look a certain way, or this person is successful when they actually don't meet any of the criteria, any of my personal values, or that kids have to do things a certain way or look a certain way in order to check the boxes. Like why, where does that come from? Why is it, you know, and if, and how, what examples do I know otherwise? And so, yeah, it's important to, you know, really reflect on that continuously and talk about it. And the stories are in my mind, so powerful because people can listen to 10 different stories and hear parts of their own story within each one. And that gives them that broader picture. So then they can start feeling like they have something to not necessarily emulate, but at least they don't feel so alone in the feelings and maybe even their ideas about how to move forward. And it gives you power. It makes you feel supported and that, and especially now in the last couple of years when people haven't had that physical community that they've that we, we all desire, at least knowing that other people in the world are doing what you're doing and feel the way you feel, there's, there's, there's strength in that. And I am so grateful that we have all these opportunities to talk to families and to interact with people who either at the beginning of this or in the middle of it, or really even close to the end, because like you said, regardless of how long you de-school or how long you're at this, and and I have one child who's now officially graduated and the Mm -hmm. other one's almost 15. And every season of their lives makes you reevaluate yourself and your ideas about that particular season. So we only have our own personal experiences, whether it's, you know, for me living where I have lived all my life. Um, I, I have my viewpoint, my perspective, um, and also my childhood to look at, to say, these are the things that I did as a child. This is what I did when I was in elementary school, middle school, and so on. So that's, the world that I know. So to step outside of that world takes a lot of, it takes a lot of bravery and it takes a lot of risk and a willingness to be wrong and to retool and to reassess. And what I have found has been super, super important to our family and to my relationship with our children, my children is communication. Just always Mm -hmm. be willing to sit down and say, I am stuck personally because this is what I believe and what I've seen but I'm not sure how to move forward right now because you're asking something of me that I've never done. Um, and every time we're able to do that and sit back and reflect and, and also just say, I don't know, or I need a few minutes, or mm-hmm. it, it is really important for me to support you in this activity that you're saying you want to do, but I'm not clear on what that looks like. So can we talk about it a little bit more? Can we work our way through it? And have certainly seen that with um, my son when he was, you know, around 15 ish, he had such a huge transition personally from being much more like introverted kind of. And then all of a sudden it was like this big explosion of, I need to be out. I want to do this and all these different activities that he got super involved in. Um, and it was almost like a, just a whole different speed he was living mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get used to certain ways and then all of a sudden they flip. And I mean, you know, we see that all the time as parents, even from, you know, a toddler to a three-year-old to a four-year-old, you're like, as soon as I get this, this type of child, like I understand all of a sudden they're doing something different. And <laughs> I, I feel that's the same way with unschooling too, that it's a constant evolution. And the only thing that I can say for certain is that there's, 
there's evolution <laughs> that yeah. nothing stays the same forever. And it's if you're willing to listen to other experiences and reach out for support and there, there's plenty out there, which leads me to your support network that you've created. And I would just love for you to share the different ways that you have established groups and ways to connect for parents who are either homeschooling or interested in it or who just want to get together with other moms and and parents and talk about what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll probably start with my main, which is the podcast and honey, I'm homeschooling the kids. And I started the podcast because of all those questions and doubts that I had. And I knew others had them as I tried to reach out and and connect with other homeschoolers. It was like, oh, they have the same questions that I do. Um, And I love listening to podcasts. So I started it because I thought, you know, this is a platform. I wanted more than what I could find at the time. So I thought my questions can be answered. Others, Others could have their questions answered. And it could be a space and place for stories to be shared and mm-hmm. to start building community, um, a broader community to know that there's more of us out there and to connect us. And so it started with that. And then it's just grown <laughs> over the years, <clears throat> excuse me, it's grown over the years and um, different ways that we can keep more connected. So I have a great Patreon community. Um, and if you go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids, uh, where, you know, I, there's a, a kind of a closed, smaller community in that as well, where we can share and ask questions and I answer questions directly, um, clubhouse community. So on the clubhouse app, I have a club called honey, I'm homeschooling, and that's really grown into a great, um, discussion place and place for people to connect, um, through because it's audio only but I host through the club there's rooms throughout the week we actually have rooms four times a week Saturday Tuesday Monday and Thursday Um, I host two of those rooms or co-host with another person and uh, we have timely discussions on all of those themes that fall into homeschooling or unschooling learning self-direction parenting childhood um ways of learning, um, de-schooling, and sharing stories again as well, and being supported, answering questions. So we have that as well. And then, you know, it just continues to grow. So for example, last year, uh, I, I Kelly Edwards and I hosted the first homeschooling summit on the Clubhouse app, mm-hmm. and it was great. And so we're doing a second one in March. Um, so March will be our second how to be an awesome homeschooler. And that's the, what it's called. And we actually, if you go to the website, how to be an awesome homeschooler.com, you can join or sign up and, uh, get the links and be ready for when that begins. So that's going to be middle of March. I want to say March, I'll have to get the exact date. Uh, so I don't mix that up. March 18th, I think it's a Friday, but, um, it's another way of having community and sharing the stories and spreading the word as well. We have keynotes and like kind of workshop Q and a as well. Um, so those are ways that it's accessible. Um, it's for people to reach out and ask questions and connect. Uh, and I, then I do, I do do coaching one-on-one coaching, um, as well as small group coaching. I have master classes throughout the year, small group master classes to, to really support parents in their de-schooling and natural learning, the questions that come up to hear 
others talk about what they're going through and also to support them and learning how, and it's not, okay, this is exactly what you have to do. You should get this curriculum. Your kids should be at this level at this time and space. It's more helping parents to recognize for themselves what they need and what their children need, and then Mm -hmm. finding ways around them to create that supportive learning environment, that connected learning environment, and move forward on their own, and then how to look for those tools um, that might be just already readily available in your home or around you, instead of feeling like you have to get this big grand curriculum that might end up just kind of tamping out that curiosity and excitement. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah that's a whole come. big list for you. But. It is. No, that's <laughs> wonderful. It's so good. And it's so, um, it, it really gives people uh, confidence to yeah. listen to that voice because so many people hear it. They know when their children are unhappy or things aren't working right. And we feel it, we can see it. But then if we don't have another way of changing things up or having at least some sort of a guideline, then we don't know which direction to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is super yeah. wonderful way lots of lots of ways for people to tap into connecting with other homeschooling families you know one thing we didn't talk about and I would love to just get a few more minutes if you can of um, Mm -hmm. chatting about Ronan's adventure and because so you know with us talking about being out in nature and wide open spaces and following our kids interest he had a massive adventure um, for someone of his age. So if you don't mind just spending a little bit of time chatting about that, sort of how it came about and, and how you and your husband agreed and supported him on that. Yeah. So that's, it, that's been an interest. Um, so he's 15 right now and wildlife and the outdoors has been an actual interest of his since he was tiny since he was, since he could form any words or point to things and get excited about things. So um, that's been something that we've definitely supported him when he wants to go off on like a focused research tangent or to learn about something or to do something. He's loved being out and fishing and hunting and learning about animals, hunting more so as he's gotten older and we've been in the area where we are. But recently, uh, this past year, he he's 15 now, and he was 14 when he left, but he spent six months away working for a wildlife outfitters in northern BC. Um, and it was something that we noticed, obviously, is, you know, your children get old, older, and you want to support their passions and interests. And absolutely, you can do field trips and research and do things and ask questions and visit places. But then it comes to a point, I think, where they need a bit more. They need a bit more um, like world experience, really, a life Mm -hmm. experience or practice or to really experience it for themselves. And so we had an opportunity. There was a connection, a family connection uh, through my husband's family of um, through this Outfitters, who's uh, a well-known old time Outfitters who's had, you know, had this going in different ways for many years. And he would, you know, we knew he would take, um, take, you know, I think my husband's brother worked for him when he was like 18 or 19 at one Mm, point. And, you know, there was different connections like that. So uh, we saw him one day and, and my husband had said, you know, and I think he already knew that we homeschooled and that, that our son's interests. And so, my husband had just kind of mentioned that, oh, you know, I'm sure this would be, my son would be interested in working with you. And sometime he was like, yeah, you guys homeschool. So I can take him, you know, he's like, when he's ready, I will absolutely 
take him on kind of thing. And so we were like, great, you know, he was still a bit younger. So we just kind of kept him in mind. And when he felt ready and he reached out and they said, yeah, like we're, you're on board for this new season. And yeah, so he went and worked there for six months and it was guiding. Um, so they have, it's a pretty big outfit and it's a pretty, like it's unique game for that area, really for the world, um, like big moose, big elk, um, black bear, mountain goat, um, sheep. Um, so it's not, you know, it's, there's pretty unique experiences and great fishing. And so he was like the guide's helper and they would go out and scout, um, then take the hunters out and they would have to build trail and where he, you know, he got to learn to work with the horses and take care of the horses. You know, they would go out and cut trail for like 10 days out in the mm. wilderness and wow and into the wild for real into right the wild for real <laughs> yeah and he came back with some crazy stories and I and it was only imagine oh man and some like it was hard work uh long days like you, yeah. you know and hard weather you know you have all of the elements right and experiences and then working with people and people that are out of their elements and helping them to feel comfortable and and safe and taken care of and you know all of the dynamics and being self-motivated and knowing that there's things that have to be done so that everyone the day can move ahead as well too, right? So there were so many learning aspects. It wasn't easy letting him go because obviously oh, he was I can 14, only imagine. So yeah, <laughs> turned 15. And so you, of course, you're like, nobody else is doing this. What are we doing? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, you all of their personal fears. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, what we've learned is that your personal fears as a parent are not going to be the fears that your child has. Your personal sure. fears are your personal fears, mm-hmm. um, whether they're going to be realized or not. And usually they're not realized unless you really focus on them and create them <laughs> to happen in your time, in your life um, in, in different ways. But it was really learning to set that aside and be a, an encouragement and support and help to go along this path. And um, so there was, you know, different things that we learned as parents and unschoolers. And I know there was a huge amount that our son learned. But yeah, he got back in November. Um, He wants to go again there. They asked, you know, will he come back again for this next season? Um, And yeah, he's the stories the like he met some really interesting characters and yeah, now he has a great love of horses and mm. um, yeah, but it, it was an epic adventure and learning experience for sure. And it, and Gosh. it fits along with what he loves to do. And I mean, he already, where we live, it's a big hunting area here anyways. And he's already done that for years too. And, um, and, you know, it just extended his knowledge and experience mm-hmm. of all of those things as well. So well, it's such an encouraging story and speaks super deeply to the fact that when our children tell us what they love, if we can support them in that, mm-hmm. it's such a gift, it even is. if it's hard for us, even if we have to work a little harder to get over our own fears, like you were saying, mm-hmm. um, you know, my daughter loves horses and she's been riding now since she was about nine and I never really hung around horses and it was not something that was in, in my interest at all. And I remember feeling some resistance because I was like, man, I don't really get it. <laughs> right. But when I saw how much she loved it and what it did to her 
I mean, you could just see it in her face or facial expressions yeah. and her whole body, the energy that she had around them. It was just like vibrating and happiness. Um, and to watch that evolve over the years to the point now where she's actually helping on Sunday, she goes to the barn and I drop her off around, around one and she's there until about five because she's helping another instructor with the younger kids and to see that evolution of her confidence from beginning rider to not feeling a hundred percent sure she can do jumps to now she's helping little kids do jumps and figuring out how to steer the horses. So to watch that, their, their skill set increase and it, it's wonderful. And his, his story that I, I wish that he had a little documentary he could share with us. <laughs> yeah. I bet it would be amazing. It would. And actually that's one of the things that he's starting to work on is learning how to hopefully like take some film and video of those things because mm-hmm. that's so many people have said oh like did he write a blog about it or is there video yeah. like they want to experience it too so yeah he's that's the, that's the next phase he's working on but um yeah yeah because it is so it, really it was at that point it was and also he's like you know just to have enough your phone dies and what are you going to do? Like, yeah, you know, there were times when he told the story of how they went out to cut trail and I think they had taken steak because they were like going to treat themselves and have like a steak dinner one night over the fire. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they were super excited. And but something happened because I don't know if it was one trip where the horse, one of the horses actually fell off the cliff oh. and they oh. had to, and it backed, you know, they had to back, put an extra day on their, their trip and, you know, they had to go down and, and he got like wedged between a stump and something and they had to get him back up and get him oh up gosh. and going and like ride them bareback back to where they were. <laughs> you know, there's all these horse stories because the horses would like, they'd be hobbled, but they'd escape back down the mountain at you know, certain time. Mm. It was, you know, all these sort of things. But um, that steak dinner, then they it got delayed. And then they went to go open up their steak and it hit like it was too long in the, in the cuisine. <gasps> and so it, they couldn't eat it. It was bad. And they oh, were so no. disappointed, you know. And, yeah. and so they're like, well, you know, beans over the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody needs to hunt for berries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, can we fish right now or what's happening? So yeah. It's yeah. one thing to be on the outing and experience with other humans, but it changes things and adds a whole different element when you've got wild animals that you're also interacting yeah. with. Or and then of course the horses are trained, but they're still wild animals. And, oh yeah. The mountain but, horses, they're tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It it's a different breed, right? Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. And that's the other thing is something like that. There was other elements that, you know, we had to have those conversations about and to be prepared for and safe and you know and there that they require, you know, like mm-hmm. you yeah, it's grizzly bear country. It's black bear country. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, and you're a guest in their country. It's exactly. not the other way around, right? Yeah. yeah. And you have to carry to be protected because if, what are you going to, you know, it's just the two of them out there or the three of them out, you know, it's, so it's, yeah, there is so many, there's so many other elements as well to it that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's interesting for sure that they had to be aware of, they had to be cognizant of, they had to, you know, plan for as well. So, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So I think like he, he had the first experience, so we'll call that the trial run and now his next experience, he'll be fully prepared to video and, (laughs) and document for, for the world to consume. If he's up for that, it would be super, super neat. Yeah. Um, well, we are about at our hour time, but before we wrap up, if you're up for it, 
would you like to um, share us a little bit more about yourself as far as like anything that people might be surprised to know about you? Any special interests or talents or <laughs> hobbies? <laughs> special interests, talents, or hobbies? Well, I love to snowboard as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to travel. I've always loved that as well. Um, and um, oh my goodness, I was there was something, and I'm like, my mind just kind of blanked right now. But well, I I will say trip. you you mentioned something a while back on Instagram, and I might have I might not have remembered it 100, percent but something about MMA. Oh yeah, I love MMA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> I just cracked up because that's something my brother loves and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I totally, UFC. Yeah. I'm a fan. We watch, I love fight nights. Yeah. When there's like a big card for sure. We, we usually get it on pay-per-view or, you know, Mm -hmm. we would have friends over, family over to watch it. The whole family loves it. My daughter, my son, my husband. That's so funny. We've watched it for years, like since our kids were, like before my daughter was born and and my Mm -hmm. son was really little. And yeah, I, I, you know, I think since when I was a kid, my dad was really into boxing and I would watch boxing with him. And I think it probably started from that. And I've always been pretty aware of fighters, you know, competitive fighters. So, Mm -hmm. and that just kind of extended it. In Korea, you know, in Korea, it was big before UFC even was there. So they- Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Korea and Japan had kind of like an ultimate fighting, like, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what the name is there, but it was big there too. So- yeah, I do. And it surprises a lot of people because usually people are like, but you're so pretty, you know, you're pretty chill out and it doesn't seem like you're, you know, like to flow. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah, I do. I have my two sides, I think for sure. So yeah, I do love uh, yeah. UFC right, and right. I love nights. And yeah, I love uh, probably my favorite fighter right now is um, Israel Adesanya. And um, yeah, so yeah, I, well, I'm a big I, fan. So. <laughs> we were, we visited my brother um, right before Christmas. And he, we, we had to watch some of that because he's like, I got to get this pay-per-view is coming on tonight. And he was talking about it for like, a, you know, the whole day ahead of it <laughs> leading up to it. And I was like, all right. Um, I watched a little bit. It was, I mean, it was fascinating. There's no doubt about that. It, it, and of course, when you, when you know, when you know the, the stories of the individual fighters and yeah. you know, who's favored and, yeah. and also, you know, what their specialty is. Yes. And, and their he styles was just like, and, yeah. He, and, so I ended up going to bed eventually. My husband stayed up and um, watched it with him. And he said he was like, my brother was jumping up and down, like <laughs> standing in the living room, yelling at the TV. That's us uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. It is. yeah it he's really like, he really is. gets into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So have there been any books or documentaries or podcasts or anything that you've listened to over the last year that you felt like really helped support you? You've done so much supporting other people. How, how have you been supporting yourself? Oh, that's a great question. So I'm an avid reader. I love to read. I kind of go through my phases of I'll read nonfiction nonstop for months and months and months, mm-hmm. and then I'll go into fiction. Um, so probably this last year, I have binged on the author, Louise Erdrich. Um, I have, I think I've read almost all of her books and she's got quite a selection. So I think that's also my relaxation as well. So I definitely would recommend her. She's a unique writer. It's not the way she writes is beautiful and heart wrenching in so many ways. It's not the fairy tale, wrap it up in a bow at the end. Um, it's very real. 
uh, and powerful. And um, Plague of Dubs is probably my favorite. The second would be the uh, Master Butcher Singing Club. Um, so I've that's been kind of my take care of myself is to read one of her books and get immersed in her stories as well. Um, mm-hmm. Probably a recent podcast that I was introduced to by Teresa Weedrick of Homeschool Mama Self-Care that I've been enjoying is called Cleaning Up the Mess uh, with Dr. Caroline Leaf. And that's- Oh, I love her. Oh, yeah. you do? Okay. I, I mm-hmm. didn't know about her before. So that's someone I've been enjoying lately that's new to me. And I find it applies to our life and to unschooling and self-directed learning as well and learning about yeah. yourself, right? So um, I love that one as, too. Oh, that's a good one for sure. Well, and and as far as self-care is concerned, as homeschooling parents, there are a lot more expectations that we have on our shoulders that mm-hmm. maybe some parents who aren't with their children as often as we are um, that are just a little different. And so it, it does, it is important for us to set aside time for ourselves. And do you find that you have that already sort of built into your day or do you feel like you have to be intentional? Have you noticed, I'm sure that as the seasons change, you, you might notice that you need it more or less or whatever, but, but now where you are in your, in your life with your two children at their ages, have you found that self-care seems to come a little more naturally and easier? I think it comes easier just because they're also more independent and they, you know, you, you don't need to help them do certain things as much anymore in that way or to be here. Um, you know, they, so in that way, it just naturally becomes a bit easier, but I still have to be intentional about it because mm-hmm. I could fit a million other things into my days and time. And then, and none of them really support my, my health going forward in that way. Right. Like there's always extra things you can do or more that you can do or catch up. So I do have to be intentional of, okay, I need to take some time off. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, between my podcast and the community, um, being a mom, an unschooling mom, a wife, and I'm also a public school board trustee, mm. I've, you know, there's a lot happening. Um, so for example, this year, I was reelected for a second term, but I shared with my board that I'm intentionally t- stepping back in many of my roles uh, previously on the board um, and stepping down from some of my chair duty, like some of the duties that I had, more of the leadership duties. So just so I could have less time there and more time at home with my family and for Mm -hmm. the podcast as well. Um, And now like we're reevaluating and I'm seeing, okay, I need to, there's some things I think my kids need right now that I need to make some more time for as well. So, um, and then for myself being out, like us going out into the mountains, it's, it can be a bit of a trip, but when I'm outside and moving my body, I'm like, okay, this is rejuvenation as well. Um, but yeah, there's certain things that this year too, I've been intentionally that I've, you know, you put off and then I'm like, no, if I don't, this is part of self-care. This is, you know, um, taking care of myself as well. So yeah, I, I still have to be intentional about it and I schedule time in and then some stuff is still a habit, like getting up before my kids do. I just like to wake up early in the mornings. So having that quiet time to kind of meditate or do a crossword puzzle or, you know, sit and read or just like finish my coffee in, in the dark kind of thing. Um, and just take a moment to to breathe kind of thing. So. Mm-hmm. When it's so important for your children to see that too, to watch you yeah. be intentional about self-care and to set boundaries for the 
roles and responsibilities that you're participating in in the community. It's wonderful that you're able to do those things, but it's also nice that you're able to say, I need to step back because I'm seeing some a need here that needs to be filled that's a little bit more important to, to prioritize prioritize how you how you spend your energy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. So before we wrap up, are there any parting words or things that you would like to say to anybody listening who may be on the fence about homeschooling or or, you know, want to be a little bit more relaxed with their kids, but just are feeling kind of tense and concerned and worried that, you know, somehow they're going to ruin their children if they do that. <laughs> because <laughs> isn't that, isn't that the question that everybody goes to? Yeah. Like the fear is like, I'm always, going to ruin yeah. my children. <laughs> no matter what choice you make, you always have that fear, right? So yes, having yes. said that, whether, you know what, so, so just definitely do this. You got it. Um, I, I think, yeah, it, you, you, and also you'll never know until you try. Um, it's mm. not set in stone that you have to do it forever either. You can try it and step into it and do it for a year or two and then reevaluate and see where you are and then maybe go back. Or, you know, I, th- I, I my recommendation would be definitely to try it because the other thing is, is our kids are only with us for a short, finite time of their life. And, you know, this is the time that, yeah, if you can take six months or a year and take it to connect with them a little bit more, take it to, you know, explore their interests a bit more, that year or that even six months may stand out in all of those 18 or 20 or less, 15, however many they're, they're with you during that time. Um, it, it might be the highlight that carries them forward. So I definitely recommend trying it. Don't feel that it's it's set in stone. And the other thing is, is when going in, just one of the things that's always helped is just, you know, take a moment to ask yourself what's really important and how your life choices can reflect those important things. And that alone helps you to really stay on the path because, you know, it's so much about intentionality and and then when you're understanding what's important, those values and the choices that you make um, then flow a lot more because you're making choices that are important to you and to the things that are important to you and that benefits everyone as a whole. So um, that would be my recommendation is the first thing is to start asking yourself and your family, where do we want to go and what's important to us and why? Mm -hmm. The why is a big thing. I think the why, you know, and getting you know, taking some time to understand the why, where those under, those values and beliefs also are stemming from as well. Yeah, people tend to just start doing, right? They just live in their yeah. lives and going almost uh, like getting in a car and just driving without having a map in front of you, in front of yeah. you and figuring out what direction you're going. So those are wise, wise words. And they're also very calming because when you say to yourself, this isn't forever, this is just a time, this is just a moment it makes it so much more manageable and it just makes it, there's so much less stress attached Mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. It doesn't feel so overwhelming. Right. Right. And it it just is those manageable chunks of time versus if I decide right now in first grade that we're going to homeschool, then we have to do it until he's, you know, 18 and oh my gosh, what am I going to do when he's 16 and 17? And it's Mm -hmm. like people project so far into the future. They can't just stop for a minute and think, we're, let's just focus on right now. Let's yeah. it's one step at a time. And if you take a step here and it ends up not working, you know what? There's another one you can take. There's exactly. not one direct path to adulthood. There's not one direct path to a quote unquote successful life. And it, it is a matter of giving yourself that space to just 
live and practice and try and try again. And um, no, those are wonderful, wonderful parting words. And so I appreciate you so much. And I have loved being able to know you over these last almost four years. Me too. It's been my pleasure. I'm, I'm very grateful for you and our connection. Please check out the show notes for all the ways to keep in touch with Robin and to follow their unschooling journey. Thank you for spending time with us today. As always, stay curious, stay connected, and stay aware. Until next time.